and new. Hello again and welcome to this, um, let's see, 492nd episode of Unscripted on a, oh, I don't know, kind of a cloudy, but at least it isn't freaking snowing day here in Calgary. Uh, Mike and Chris with you again on this 492nd episode of Unscripted. Uh, Thanks to the boss. We've got a lot of things to talk about, Um, but we do have some breaking news in regard to news involving Unscripted. So the best way to to, uh, get you educated on that and get you updated as to what the boss is doing behind the scenes, let's bring in the boss of Unscripted with Mike and Chris and say hello and welcome to the program, the executive producer, Mr. Fluke, the floor is yours. Thank you, sir. Okay, well, we can still be found at uh, all the places you know us at, iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play, now as well as Google Podcasts, which technically is a separate thing. So that's six right there. And then uh, you can now find us on Deezer, iHeartRadio, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast.app, Himalaya, Hubhopper, Blueberry, Libsyn, and Podchaser. Not to mention, of course, that you can always find us on unscriptedmc.com or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash unscriptedmc. So if you can't find us at one of those 18 places, then you aren't trying hard enough. I'm also looking at getting us on SoundCloud, which would be number 19. And uh, then I I want to try and fund somewhere else uh, just to make an even 20. I couldn't write all those down fast enough. You know, to be honest, Chris was, and I am shocked and proud and uh, just, because Chris told me, he sent me a note the other day saying that he's got news coming up on Unscripted, but he wasn't going to tell me about it. And uh, so I had no idea that he's added us on to all these different social media. So the number right now is 18 different avenues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some (laughs) some of them are slightly different. Like some of them are more an app directory and some are more like just a a website or something. But uh, I mean, yeah, we I basically uh, we tripled from from five to you know about 15 let's say and then we, we still have our, our patreon page and our website so i'm going to try and get it to 20 different places you can go to find unscripted we're almost there <laughs> unbelievable congratulations uh, well done the boss has struck again and uh if you're asking me to rattle off all 18 of them right now i can get to about 10 so another time once chris send me some he sends me the cliff notes then uh, it's an old college term of, of uh, reading the cliff notes instead of reading the real book. I will uh, study that and uh, get up to date, but great job as always. Congratulations. Um, I, I don't know what to say. That is, that is awesome. I, you know, there aren't many times that I am left speechless. This is one of them. A lot of things to talk about. Again, thanks with Chris's help. Last, I actually had to do some work this week and uh, got a little bit behind. And um, so... Chris came through again with some good topics that we can talk about and a couple that I found along the way. So let's get this party started in regard to episode 492 and this week of shows here on Unscripted. And again, um, next week, um, we will get up to, with the concluded episodes, we will be up to episode 499. So that tells me we're right on track for the first week of May to be ready to start producing and then for Chris to get it up on all these different social media avenues, our 500th episode of Unscripted. And uh, I will say, as I did last week, that Chris has said that will be up 
the first part of May, and um, I'm really looking forward to that and being obviously a small part of episode number 500 here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. A lot of things to talk about. I'm still in shock. He's added, Jesus, we're on 18 to, you know, even a, even a, a mental midget, and I'm getting better all the time, a mental midget IT guy like me should be able to find us on 18 different avenues and yet more to come. So um, if you can't find us now, Chris is absolutely right. You're not trying too hard. So a lot of things to talk about, as I've said four times. Let's start, though, in something that is in Chris's backyard. And I, I'm, I'm not going to comment a lot about this because I think Chris is gearing up to to talk about this, and rightfully so. He's got the background. He's got the knowledge. But this is something near and dear to his heart. And uh, I'm a little disappointed in it, obviously, because, and again, Chris will expand on on our displeasure with Mr. McMahon again in regard to what he's done this week with some of his employees in the WWE. But he's in the news again, and again, not for something good, as, you know, he's got this guaranteed deal with Fox Sports, money in his back pocket, at least for the next five years, as to my understanding of his agreement with Fox moving SmackDown to Friday nights. He's got a five-year guaranteed contract in his back pocket. So I guess I asked the question to the boss, why does he feel it's necessary to lay off a bunch of wrestlers? And the most notable one to me is one that people should know. He's a former U.S. Olympic wrestler in his day, being Kurt Angle got a pink slip this week from Vincent McMahon. So I asked the boss, A, what the hell is going on? And in your very valued opinion, was this necessary at this time for the WWE to uh, get hand out pink slips? And to a guy that I don't know intimately or as well as you do, but it seems to me Kurt Angle has been a good guy, a good company man, has been the bad guy, has been the good guy. But I want your opinion on the moves by McMahon this week. And also, what does this mean moving forward for Kurt Angle? Is his career over? What do you think we see in the future for Kurt Angle, sir? Yeah, this was emphatically not necessary. And I have to make this as emphasized as I possibly can. This is absolutely not, not, not a case of a company suffering any sort of economic hardship due to the pandemic or anything else and needing to pivot or adjust accordingly. That is not what is happening here. Now, the funny thing is that you can really contrast this with all the other professional wrestling companies, both in North America and in Japan, and you can see the difference. None of those have a big Fox deal that makes them guaranteed profitable for six years straight. No matter what happens, even if you're not running live event shows, it doesn't matter. You are guaranteed profitable. These other ones, like AEW, it's just the cons money. New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, you know, is a privately owned company, and they don't have some equivalent deal like this. And it is amazing, like, the, the people in Japan, like in New Japan Pro Wrestling, they sent all their top guys and top management to the government, not for their own pockets or anything, but just to try to make sure that none of their lower level employees would have to be let go. 
you see the other leagues like AEW really trying to keep everybody and just do whatever it takes to keep everyone working and, and not have to be laid off or anything. But, uh, you know, this really caused a lot of hardship that all the that in the age of social media now, all these guys that were laid off immediately posted videos on Twitter. Some of them were crying like Drake Maverick was crying. Um, and it, it, this is devastating. Like I can tell you from being a wrestler, when you get uh, not that I've ever had a WWE contract, but when you get a WWE contract, that is the holy grail. That yeah. is like that oh, is yeah. uh that is a dream come true, and then to have it taken away from you for for no reason whatsoever, when the company did not have to make this move for any reason at all, is crazy. The only reason they did this was to maintain insane profit margins, and it is really that dark, and it's really that inexcusable, and that cold, and that callous. This was simply about you've already got really really high margins, you want to maintain that for Wall Street, and you want to keep up the fancy optics of how profitable you are, and you don't want that to take the slightest hit at all uh so uh nicole hall ryan's wife who is now just joined twitter and oh. so, so she she was on here at nicole m hall 85 she said this is so sad wwe lost a lot of talent today i'm going to miss some of these storylines not only did they release some of the of these wrestlers they also released some of the writers who obviously are not making millions of dollars oh come on that really pisses me off yeah come on so like this one lady was a writer uh she had drawn some acclaim because there's been this storyline where this big chubby guy named otis has this beautiful blonde uh, bodybuilder girlfriend mandy rose and it's been a very interesting story and it's been really acclaimed and she was the writer of that who was in charge of that whole story she got the axe for no reason and then uh, Dave Meltzer, the the great uh, MMA and wrestling reporter, the best wrestling reporter in the world by far, uh, at Dave Meltzer uh, WN, he had a number of things. And so he's who I have to go to if I want the real story, the real numbers, all that. So as he said on Twitter here, WWE has written so many times in the last month, was the one company in MMA, wrestling, boxing, best equipped to ride this out based on TV deals, cash on hand, and lack of debt. Uh, they didn't have to do this. They have $500 million in cash reserves and giant TV deals. Oh they God. chose to do this. If they were losing money, it would be very different. This is not a restaurant with no cash reserves, not being able to keep its waiters and chefs and waitresses. In the end, this was about maintaining a huge profit margin. And unlike with UFC even, who has um, their own debt and they have their own um, endeavor, the company that bought them also has massive debt. So they have all this debt that they're concerned about. So they have hardship. And even Dana is still out there trying to desperately to put together shows, yeah, give yeah, people yeah. work and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then also, if you want the numbers... Here's the numbers. So uh, as Dave Meltzer reports here, the talent cuts will save them $703,000 per month. Uh, that's it, which is, is such a drop in the bucket for, for their You've numbers. You've got a $500 million in reserves. That's and just you're on worried, hand. Right. And you're worried about, and again, I mean, it's a big number, but 500, half a billion dollars on hand, and they're worried about losing $703,000 a month so to what, keep people gainfully employed yeah. during this this unbelievably difficult time that we're all in right now. Oh, my yeah. God. Vince, uh, as oh, I was... Oh, Vince, you just pissed me off. As I was telling you, Vince uh, lives in his own bubble. He's very, very sheltered. He, you know, he would never watch an episode of AEW or like he just he's in his own bubble and his own world completely because he's the ultimate control freak and has to have control over it so he doesn't even look at anything else the optics are bad here he's totally tone deaf and by the way so the goal was 
or I don't know what the, the, the goal, but what they ended up doing was in the end, they saved a total of four million a month, which might sound like a lot to a lot of people. It's not for these guys. And most of that was simply saved by not moving into a new office. They were going to move into a fancy new office. They decided not to do that. That saved most of the four million. Oh, well, we can save an extra 700 grand by ruining a bunch of people's dreams and looking like a bunch of jackasses. And as Todd Martin, another great uh, uh, reporter and uh, writer for MMA and wrestling, Todd Martin at Todd Martin MMA, if your instinct in the middle of a global pandemic is to cut low-level employees to ensure your profit margin remains really high for Wall Street, and so you don't have to dip into nine-figure reserves, you're a terrible human being. He's absolutely right. And to answer your question about Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle uh, is has retired now from in-ring competition. He had recently done that, so he was more of a of an of an auxiliary talent there so he's fine he's probably the least affected he he was not going to compete in the ring again they weren't going to let him he's got injuries he looks like he has cte frankly already has for years and uh, he's 50 and he's not doing anything and he i would have to assume has lots of money and he's probably totally set for life but uh for all the rest of them there are some great talented wrestlers there i hope aew is able to find room for some of these people yeah. and give them jobs some of these guys would be uh, well suited to go to Japan. Japan, and I hope all these other companies keep doing a great job of of signing and retaining their talent, and Vince can go fuck himself. You got dead right. But I, again, for me, uh, because of his storied Olympic background, and, and that's why the, the uh, release of Engel was, you know, a name thing to me. But you would think he'd bring name recognition and he could still be part of the storylines. He could be somebody's manager. He could be somebody's guest referee. I think there's some things that oh, Kurt yeah. Angle could still contribute just because he's freaking Kurt Angle. He's very, so, very talented performer. Even just coming out, still gets a reaction. He's still over with the crowd. I mean, if they're going to pay that that panty waste Rob <laughs> Ronkowski, <laughs> yeah. you can't find a place on your roster for <laughs> Kurt Angle who actually knows what the fuck he's doing out there. That's a good point. Uh, and, I, and I will say this. If you are thinking about paying for the next WWE pay-per-view event or when, God forbid, we can get back into our stadiums and arenas again at whatever time the health people say that it is safe to do so, I hope some people will boycott or will just totally blow off WWE events for a while to show Mr. McMahon that you know you just can't screw with people just because you want to keep up appearances. Yeah. And this is ruining, you know, again, great point by you. Engel will be fine, but it's the guys that are the writers and the guys that are the lower level employees that depend on that paycheck to keep their families fed and housed and clothed and all this other stuff. And that's what bothers me more than anything. That, you know, okay, Kurt Angle was sacrificed, whatever, and I know him, so, you know, not personally do I know him, but I know of him. But again, I'm thinking about the lower-level people that work their bags off to make the WWE as successful as possible, and these people are shown and treated like garbage, and that bothers me to no end. The WWE also had some really bad news this week. Anybody that has known anything about the WWE for a long, long time, you know the great ring announcer, Howard Finkel. And Howard Finkel, the uh, he had ties going back. This had to be before our buddy James Dolan, before he was screwing up MSG. But Howard Finkel was not only famous 
for as a ring announcer for the WWE, but he was also famous for years do, uh, doing the same kind of thing for big boxing matches and whatever for Madison Square Garden. He's got an unbelievable legendary voice. I know of him. Again, I don't know him. I know of him. But uh, the WWE did suffer a great loss this week with the passing of a great ring announcer, Howard Finkel. Yeah, and I told this to you uh, over email, but if we do uh, a list, and I'm sure we will, because this is right up our alley for broadcasting and sports and everything, if we do a list of the most iconic voices in sports history, which I think is maybe a list we should do at some point, I think you'd enjoy that, wouldn't I you? I would, I think absolutely. You would. I think you would. Uh, he has to be number one, so I hate to ruin any suspense of a future episode, but I mean, he has to be number one, and apparently, I never got to hear him do any play-by-play, but apparently, according to Meltzer, he said that Howard was actually amazing at that too, and I, I didn't, I'd never thought about it before, and I thought about it, I'm like, oh, I could absolutely picture that now that you mention it. But uh, I always heard him as a ring announcer. And when we do the voices, the natural thing is to think about the play-by-play or the color guys, like for the, the great voices. But the ring announcers, the PA announcers, uh, whatever, maybe even like, uh, I don't know if there's some other equivalent in some of the sports, but there's some guys that aren't necessarily play-by-play that can have iconic voices. And Howard Finkel, to me, is the ultimate a universally loved man. I have never seen anyone say anything bad about him at, who was a fan, who met him personally, who worked with him. Nothing. Like, you want a guy that just, you can't find anyone say anything bad. All everyone ever said was, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's the gentlest guy in the world. All he did is talk about how much he loved his wife and and was just the best guy. And he was the first employee of Vince McMahon Sr. So this is this is Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the Correct. current one. Junior. Yeah, and so... Yeah, and then so his dad, Vincent J. McMahon, who was very different than than this Vince, a very different person, a uh, very nice man. When he first started, he called it the WWWF, which was the Worldwide Wrestling wow. Federation, and so which became WWF, which became WWE eventually. But anyway, the very first employee he hired in 1975 was Howard Finkel. And Howard Finkel, another interesting bit of trivia for people, Howard Finkel came up with the name WrestleMania as well. So Howard Finkel has left... I bet McMahon screwed him out of a piece of the pie for that. (laughs) I don't know. You know what? I will say for one thing with Vince, if you are someone who's been with Vince for a long time and are extremely loyal, like a Howard Finkel or an Undertaker or... Stone Cold or The Rock. Triple H. Triple H. That's family. That's even more. But any of those guys, Vince doesn't, like, Vince is never going to, like, cut The Undertaker or something. Like, he's just not going to do it. And, and, you know, Howard Finkel was put into the Hall of Fame in 2009. Like, Howard Finkel, I don't think, ever was wanting for anything. He, If he needed something from Vince, he could just ask. And well, I'm, be... you know, I, which, I mean, it's... Any I'm... good boss would do that after you spend that amount yeah. of time. Although I've worked for guys that wouldn't even do that. But anyway... Well, that... we, we both have. Yeah, of course. So, but Howard Finkel, just an absolute legend. And in terms of just the voice, to this day, title changes in any sport, boxing, MMA, wrestling, whatever... Title changes just don't seem as big without Howard Finkel announcing them. It's just some, I mean, everything about his voice was amazing. And the coolest thing was Dave Meltzer said that he did not find, he has not been able to find a single time in history in all the decades that Howard Finkel was working where Howard Finkel made even one mistake. Wow. Not, it's, no one can find him even making one mistake ever in history. It's like he was just that good. He was just on point all the time. And But even besides his accuracy, just the whole, I don't know if it's the pitch of his voice or what, but 
all of it was great, but the way when he would say, and new, and he just, it's just, it, it almost, just thinking about it gives me chills. And it made the title change just seem like such a big deal. Like, you know, it could be some wrestling title change, the intercontinental titles changing hands for the tag titles. And it would seem like the biggest event in the history of mankind had just happened. And you're like, the world will never be the same because these titles changed hands. Like it's, it's the craziest thing. And it's just never seemed the same. And there's been a lot of great ring announcers, um, especially in UFC's had a couple of really good ones, for example. But it's just, I've never seen anyone be able to replicate that sort of big match feel. And it's, it was really something special. And I'm excited. I haven't gotten the chance to do this yet. I'm excited probably later today. I'm going to go and just listen to some great title changes that he called because it just took it to another level. I'm going to pull the cat out of the bag right now. Your number one uh, is Howard Finkel. I've got a guess on who yours is, but I could be wrong. Well, I'm going to take it out of the, I'm going to take the guesswork out of it right now. Um, I don't think this guy, I don't think there's anybody better. And I can, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take one name off the list that isn't a possibility. And I'm going to give you my number one of all time. Do you want me to guess or not? Nope. No. Okay. You're going to know. Okay. The voice that will never make that list, Ron Barr. <laughs> the number one voice that I've had the opportunity to listen to in my life is the indescribable smooth sultry voice the 50 no the 63 year voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers Vin Scully I've lived in LA for five years I got to listen to a lot of of uh, Dodger baseball I was fortunate enough in the radio business to get to go to spring training a couple of times when the Dodgers trained at Vero Beach Florida Dodger Town USA they've now out in Arizona but I can't think of anybody in my lifetime that if I had the ability to sound like Vin Scully, I mean, he even made selling hot dogs sound good. Farmer John, you know, and, and uh, well, it's a beautiful day here in Chavez Ravine. It's 72 degrees. The girls are in beautiful short skirts, and it's just a wonderful day to be a Dodger fan in Los Angeles. And you can hate the Dodgers. And but you'd still listen to Vin Scully, and to do that job, he took over in his twenties when the Dodgers were still based in Brooklyn, and up until a couple of years ago, um, he has been with the Dodgers and called every inning since 1958. Recently replaced a couple of years ago at the age of 89 by Joe Davis, who's a stud. He's going to be very very good, but talk about trying to replace somebody. And, and step into those shoes, you better be pretty damn good if you're going to be taking over for Vin Scully. But um, my, my number one would be Vin Scully in a heartbeat. There were a lot of years when the Dodgers weren't very good, and he would make it still interesting to listen to a Dodger game. So when you can do that, I think that takes your skill to another stratosphere, and that's why on my list, we can do it. I'd be very interested in doing something like that. I'd be interested to hear people's responses on our 18 different social media avenues. But my number one comes right out of the box right now. It's Vin Scully and um, unbelievable career. And you know what? The thing about it is he could still be doing it if he wanted to. He just, you know, you get to a point enough is enough. But uh, 
I would very be very interested in doing a, a broadcaster's kind of that kind of thing. Some where somewhere down the line. Let's go. Let's. Why don't we get through five hundred and uh, then we can certainly talk about it. I'd I'd like to do that. I'd be very. I I'd I'd really like to do that. I'd How want it to be about I, it specifically. I'd like it to be iconic voices. Is oh, what I'd absolutely. Like That's what I'd like. It to absolutely, be. no question. And uh, Vince Scully is number one on my list, and nowhere on my list is Ron Barr or Joe Buck. Buck would be on my list. Really? Hey, listen. You know, I mean, here's a guy. I think he's a pain in the ass. I think he's had some unbelievable opportunities because of the groundwork that was laid by his father. Um, you know, back in the day when he was St. Louis sports, um, can you imagine Joe Buck's father being in a, in a, in a, uh, booth with Harry Carey for a bunch of years? I mean, that would be tough. Um, but, uh, you know, Joe Buck would be on my list somewhere. It depends on how long the list you want it to be. Well, but I think it should be iconic voice. It shouldn't just be iconic and, voices for the general public, but for you specifically. And if you well, don't I'd, like- I'd have Buck on the list. I mean, you can't really? not have Buck on the list just because, you know, he, again, pin in the ass, legend in his own mind, yada, yada. But think about it this way. As we're now in the 2020s, Joe Buck has been calling games now for Fox- World Series games, big NFL games, Super Bowls, the whole thing. He's now uh, added the U.S. Open golf to his resume. He's been doing that over 25 years already. So, you know, love him or loathe him, he deserves to be on somebody's list. He will be on mine depending on how far the boss wants to take the list. I'll, I'll just say it. Wow, he's like only that. 50. He turns 51 this yeah. month. And oh, he started. Yeah. I thought he was older than that. Oh, no. And he started at Fox. Like with their number one team 25 years ago. So, you know. He, well, because his dad. Like, well, uh, again, but sure, I, I get it. Yeah. But the games that he's called and the situations that he's been in. um, But I mean, I just, I like when the lists are specifically for you. Like, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. doesn't matter societal impact. Iconic voices that resonate well, with you and that you care about. And, and well, then I've got, I've got. A lot of Wisconsin broadcasters Great. that I grew up listening to. Great, um, but I, I definitely want to do that. But I, I, I um, we'll wait till we get through 500, which is going to be a big thing for Chris and I, and then we'll look into some mm-hmm. iconic broadcast voices moving forward here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. I look forward to that a lot. A couple of quick news items before we put a wrap on this one. I do want to send out condolences to the family of Oilers forward Colby Cave, who died this past week at the age of 25, bleeding on the brain. Is that... He had a a brain bleed, and yeah, it was a tough one. It was, yeah, it was a complicated thing, but yeah, his... uh, And then he went to the hospital, and it looked okay for a bit, and then then that was it. And so, yeah, he was from North Battleford, so other side of Saskatchewan from me, just near the Alberta border there, but uh, it was really nice. They, uh, they've done a lot of stuff. They, they lined the highway with cars and uh, it was a really nice outpouring of support there. And I know the Oilers are starting a charity in his name and there's a, a lot of good things, but uh, I, you know, I wonder, you know, it, it's interesting with sports on hold, but we are getting a number of signs that especially with Trump and his panel, like, you know, trying to get sports, sports yep. may come back sooner than later. They might surprise us. And so if that happens, I'm just saying, I like the Oilers, and I don't, I'm not trying to diminish Colby Cave's death at all here, because, I mean, by all accounts, like, the nicest guy, like, the Howard Finkel of the NHL, like, just 
everyone just said, always smiling, always friendly, always a wonderful guy to be around. But um, when when you lose an active teammate in in their twenties to death, that's not something most oh, these guys I know. Exactly. most these guys deal with. When that happens, it can really galvanize a team and bring them together. And when sports does come back, because I I continue to maintain that I guarantee that Stanley Cup will be given out in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really looking like that's going to happen now. I just think that already the Oilers were already going to really surprise some people. They have the two best players in the world. And now all of a sudden you have this, one of their teammates dies at 25. You want to bet against this team? I don't. And I know I'm a homer, but you know what? Before all this happened, weeks ago, before the shutdown, before Colby Cave died or anything, a few weeks ago, I realized I had $50 in one of my betting accounts. I just thought, ah, you know what? I'm just going to throw it on the Oilers to win the cup. 900 or 950 or something if I win. About round of, round a grand if I win. And uh, I'm really liking that now because, you know what, you bring it back, especially with an abbreviated playoff and uh, the Oilers with already, I think, the best two players in the world and this bringing them together and everyone healthy. I'm telling you, um, people, I think, are already going to remember the name Colby Cave, even though he was, you know, a fourth line player. But there's this uh, number one, there's this uh, new charity in his name. And number two, if the Oilers win the cup and dedicate it to Colby Cave, you will never forget the name of Colby Cave. You know, Chris was talking about uh, sports coming back, and um, I, I got to be honest with you. And, and again, I, I'm biased to the sport, obviously, in regard to the PGA Tour. Because I, I truly believe from the beginning, and maybe at the beginning I was a little bit naive, obviously, because I don't think any of us, including the people that we use and need to make decisions for us, still don't know the severity of this COVID-19 pandemic. They really don't. I don't care what anybody says. And right, This is so new to all of us involved in this that anything that anybody throws out there right now is just a glorified guess. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean disrespect. I'm just saying what I think is the truth because how do we know? We've never encountered anything like COVID-19 in any of our lives. And any, if anybody says that they have, they're lying to you. But the, I thought that the PGA Tour was one sport that could potentially, you know, soldier on during this just because if you kick the fans to the curb and you close the gates to the fans, you could do the social distancing thing with only, if, you go, if they go out in twosomes or threesomes, there's enough room to maintain the 2.5 meters or six feet apart on a golf course. If you just have caddies, players, easily, easily. But I got to say, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour gave us a little bit of hope this week with the news that the with the Colonial Tournament in Fort Worth, Texas, will return. Now, unfortunately for Canadians, that week that they're targeting the Colonial to come back is the week of June 11th through the 14th. Unfortunately for Canadians, that is the week that originally they were supposed to play the Canadian Open. And that's too bad because Rory McIlroy would have played and Rory was the defending champion, but there are sacrifices to be made. But the PGA Tour announced this week that the Colonial Tournament in Fort Worth, Texas will return, minus the fans, on June 11th through the 14th, followed by a weekly run of tour events through November with the first four events, so Colonial and the next three, and I don't know what the hell they are. 
I know Colonial is on the June 11th through the 14th. That gives us all hope. But the first four events will be without fans in attendance. I think ultimately a lot of these events moving forward are going to have to be without fans in attendance. But I see a little glimmer of hope as to what Chris was talking about, that we're going to get some sporting events back. I'm so happy because I'm sick of looking at things like the NBA horse. That was bullshit. We'll talk about that later this week as well. But at least the PGA Tour, in my estimation, and I think a lot of other people's, even maybe not golf fans, but at least if we see some live competition again, that'll be a good thing. Tiger Woods won't be playing, but you'll see Jordan Spieth because it's Texas. You'll see, you know, you'll see some names back. And, and you know what? They're going to expand the fields because obviously with all this missed time, there's going to be some guys that need some points to get into the into the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup playoffs and all that other stuff. So you're going to see larger than 144-man fields, which is good. So hopefully we'll see some big names coming back. But again, just to see that that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel because again Sunday of this week will mark the fifth week we've been out without competitive sports and I think I'm speaking for Chris when I say this and I know I'm speaking for me when I'm saying this I am going crazy without real sports to look at and you know it's funny I keep a lot of I have a thing at home with all the different big Packer wins over the last 25 years it's gotten boring watching those because I know the outcome. It's all I've got. A Packer win is better than watching the Mass Singer. <laughs> a, a taped Packer win is better than watching Magnum P.I. So, again, the PGA Tour, all credit to him, has given us a little bit of hope that uh, we're going to soon, sooner rather than later, have some real live competitive sports to watch again soon and i can't tell you how excited i am about that um we've got to put a wrap on this 492nd episode later on in the shows this week we're going to talk about the upcoming nfl draft uh we can certainly talk about that we can talk about uh roy halliday and some disturbing news about his airplane crash back in november of 2017 i want to talk about that also want to talk about dion waiters and his thoughts this guy is a moron with a capital m that's all i'm going to say you'll get the gist of it later and uh, it's funny that they're bringing this out now because espn is coming out with a six-part documentary starting on sunday night about michael jordan and the documentary entitled the last dance looking at jordan and the bulls sixth and final championship for the 1997-98 season or somewhere in that, that starts on Sunday. And it's coincidental about this Dion Waters or Waiters or whatever the hell his name is. After this comes out and, and it becomes public knowledge on Unscripted, it's not going to matter how you pronounce this guy's name. People are just going to laugh him right out of any NBA arena that he steps foot into going forward after we get to this. It's just unbelievable. Chris... Chris tuned me up on this, and I couldn't freaking believe it when I saw it. I also got a funny thing about Bruce Willis and his ex-wife, Demi Moore, in regard to this isolation slash quarantine that we're in. So a lot of things to talk about, but we've got time to talk about them and episodes to cover. So we will 
put a wrap on this 492nd episode of Unscripted. As always, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for your contributions and you know, listening to us, supporting us. Hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the very busy boss of Unscripted, unbelievable job by Chris as well, adding us on nine new different social media avenues. I mean, someday I'm going to have to get a little guide here and say this is where we are. And just it's, just, it's going to say at the bottom, just read it. Just read it, dummy. But for the boss, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.